Welcome to HSBC Global Viewpoint, the podcast series that brings together business leaders and industry experts to explore the latest global insights, trends, and opportunities. Make sure you're subscribed to stay up to date with new episodes. Thanks for listening, and now on to today's show. This is a podcast from HSBC Global Research, available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Search for HSBC Global Viewpoint or join us via the HSBC Global Banking and Markets page on LinkedIn. However you're listening, analystifications, disclosures and disclaimers must be viewed on the link attached to your media player. Welcome to Under the Banyan Tree, where we put Asian markets and economics in context. I'm Fred Newman, Chief Asia Economist at HSBC, and I'm joined today by Chief China Economist Jing Liu here in Hong Kong. On the podcast today, a fresh challenge for China as COVID-19 cases in the tens of thousands flare up daily across the country. Officials are fine-tuning their response to the pandemic. We'll be discussing the social and economic stakes involved right here under the Banyan Tree. China's daily COVID cases are edging increasingly close to a record high. At this time of recording, the country is reporting just under 30,000 new infections per day. For context, that's basically the level the country was at when the city of Shanghai, home to 26 million people, went into a two-month lockdown back in April. Officials in many of China's biggest cities are now trying to work out how to control the outbreaks without returning to the sweeping measures we've seen in the past. Cities are now following new guidelines announced earlier this month aimed at minimizing disruptions to people's lives and, of course, to the economy. Jing, help us set the scene here. How does the current flare-up compare to what we saw during uh, the Shanghai lockdown back in the second quarter of this year? Thanks, Fred. Um, So in terms of the number, now is near the record high we saw back uh, during the spring in Shanghai lockdown. But in terms of the uh, spread out of the cases, back then was more concentrated in Shanghai. Now it's uh, spread out in many different cities. For example, uh, the capital city of Beijing now see the cases rising both in Chaoyang District and Haidian District. Uh, Some of the students are now back to study from home mode again. Uh, Further in the west, Chongqing also battling its worst outbreak. Um, And also uh, Guangzhou, you have heard the news about certain uh, district under lockdown mode for a while. So we have a very wide geographic spread this time around, affecting coastal regions, uh, more of the inland cities as well even. Um, how, How has the response been different this time around to what we saw maybe earlier in, in the year? I think, you know, it's fair to say now is more targeted uh, measures, especially after the 20 calibrated measures were announced uh, in the early November. In particular, um, in the magnitude of the Guangzhou or Chongqing outbreak, under the previous policies, we would more than likely to see the lockdowns in those cities already. But this time around, we see much less preemptive uh, lockdown. But in turn, the uh, governments are trying to balance the economic uh, growth and the COVID control. So recently, we saw Beijing actually publish 20 specific 
guidelines to local governments uh, to calibrate really the the virus response uh, in China. What, what are some of these specific guidelines that 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 struck you as being new, as being kind of a maybe a, a change in strategy, if you will? It's definitely more targeted and scientific in the following sense. For example, previously, uh, lots of local governments seem to adopt a one-size-fits-all. So you would see preemptive lockdown and mass testing uh, quite uh, uh, usually. But now they're saying that the mass testing should be restricted to areas where the community contagion has been going on for a while without clear uh, source of contagion, and many cases are surging. And at the same time, they also forbid uh, people from doing the testing twice or three times a day, which actually arguably not so scientific to start with. And on top of that, I think we also see in terms of the close contact, um, they are required to have the five days uh, centralized quarantine with three days at home, but they no longer quarantine the close contact of the close contact, so-called the secondary contacts. So that's also an improvement. So we won't see so many people being uh, taken to centralized quarantine facility, for example. So many of these measures you cite are really aimed at reducing the economic and even administrative burden of, of some of the earlier measures and help the economy to breathe a bit more uh, under what's still uh, a battle against the virus. Now, here, of course, the economic considerations are one thing, but the other consideration is clearly public health, and, and there are risks here. That's why we have these restrictions in the first place. Um, do you see any moves uh, recently um, of perhaps stepped-up preparations in China when it comes to dealing with, with the public health side of, of the virus? Yes, indeed. We have seen redoubling of the efforts on the ground. For example, in terms of the vaccination, the inhaled vaccines are now being administered in multiple areas. And uh, that one is uh, conceivably easier to do uh, for the elderly group in particular. And also we see these domestically made antiviral treatment drugs being more widely accessible. At the same time, the authorities are building COVID-specific hospitals with an aim to assigning about 10% of the beds as ICU, and uh, they will have this tiered system in treatment uh, being the COVID-specific hospitals, the makeshift facilities, and also the clinics dealing with uh, people with uh, COVID-like symptoms. All right, thank you very much, Jing. In part two, we'll discuss the impact of China's COVID measures on services and manufacturing, plus how all of this links to the recent headlines on China's volatile housing market. Welcome back. So Jing, when it comes to the type of containment measures we're seeing in China, it's really all about trade-offs. Where have we seen the biggest negative impact? Yes, I think similar as other economists, basically the containment measures have restricted uh, social interaction. So as you can imagine, the service sectors, including retail sales, have taken a big blow. And on top of that, the small and medium-sized enterprises, due to their size and also most of them are in the service sector, they also get a big hit 
from the COVID uh, outbreak and containment measures. Now, on the other side, manufacturing is, is still the backbone in many ways of China's economy. What's been the impact there? Because um, there were efforts to really contain uh, the impact on, on manufacturers. That's right. I think many factories have adopted the so-called closed-loop operation in a hope to minimizing the drag on economic activity. And uh, there has been improvement on logistics running smoothly, especially after the hiccup we saw during the Shanghai lockdown. For example, recently, there's a report a big Apple supplier on shore actually saw the outbreak in its factories, which uh, led to the disruption to their production. However, there's concerted effort to bring back labor and resume production. So we see, to some extent, successful measures to protect manufacturing. And it's now really going forward um, about restoring services demand, restoring consumer spending as, as a driver uh, for, for the economy. How do you see the situation evolve uh, over the coming year? Yes, I think with a gradual relaxation of the COVID uh, restrictions uh, going into 2023, we should see consumption to rebound. Uh, at the same time, even for production, like the investment and other things, which arguably got less impact from the COVID restrictions, we will see the improved uh, sentiment on the ground can help boost the investment as well. And does that also then include the housing market? We know that the housing sector, of course, was a major drag on economic activity now. Um, There's been some efforts to restore confidence there. How do you see the interplay between more targeted virus control measures of the coming year and uh, efforts to stabilize the housing market? I would say the efforts to stabilize housing market together with this calibrated uh, measures on COVID policy are the most important policies we've seen. With that, we can see from the demand side, uh, there should be improvement when people can uh, you know, go out again with less concern on the COVID or uh, less restriction on COVID policies. People can think about buying a new home again. At the same time, we see in this uh, housing stabilization plan that can help boost the demand side of the housing market and also make sure the property developer can run as a going concern. They get the funding support from credit supply, bond issuance and equity issuance basically cover all the basis of the funding sources. So the way you describe this is we've seen a major flare-up in recent weeks in China, which is geographically much more spread than than perhaps in, in previous episodes, which is a risk to the economy. On the other hand, we have um, really a new approach when it comes to rolling out virus control measures, which is more targeted and, and really aimed at restoring services and consumer spending in the country and helping the, the housing sector as well. Um, how do you think that will play globally? Uh, is, is How optimistic are you then about China delivering growth over the coming year? And how much is that, do you think, of global significance? Indeed, this year we have seen uh, China probably will miss its growth target, but next year the rebound can push it uh, to grow by at least 5% according to our forecast. And China's recovery will go a long way as a growth driver to the uh, world economy and also to boost the investor confidence dragged by the slowdown of China in 2022. Well, thank you very much, Jing, for sharing your insights. And it, it strikes me that we are here at the critical juncture 
for China. On the one hand, you have seen rising cases, and of course, that makes the headlines uh, everywhere. But also, we see uh, the redirection of the approach uh, that China is adopting, much more targeted. And uh, that should allow then for a, a general recovery in consumer spending services and even spillover possibly into a housing market for coming year. So uh, there, there is a positive message in here, Jing. So thank you very much for joining us. And uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us under the banyan tree. And we'll be back again same time next week. Thank you, Fred. Thank you for joining us at HSBC Global Viewpoint. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Make sure you're subscribed to stay up to date with new episodes.